This episode is Bible Study 101, Lesson 1. And this lesson, we begin to go over the intros to how to teach a home Bible study and start the very first lesson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this. And we'll see you on the next one. Here's the intro. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, all right. So this is our first Bible Study 101. Very laid back. Um, as you can see, um, maybe I can't see your face there. You are. I was like, hey. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's going to be laid back. Um, so our time right now is um, 5.13. Uh, so we're starting a little late, so that might push us back 15 minutes later on prayer. I, I talked to Eric. We decided just an hour from now. We're going to teach an hour and then go in. And so uh, this will be an hour Bible study. Um, so kind of what we're used to. to um, go ahead and play. There you go. Uh, go ahead and, um, you know, what you're used to, you know, so uh, half of this will be going through the material, um, which is why, you know, I gave a lot of you guys the handout, some of you guys I was not able, I will get you guys copies um, of this, um, but I will give you, um, we're going to go halfway through the material, this is exploring God's word, um, a lot of you guys are familiar with this, you've heard about it at least. Um, family, I can't see your face either. I just like, I like to like connect with people. And so that's number one. Alex, can we move a little bit? So I want to be able to see everybody. I want every. I want to be able to make eyes. Yeah, I see you guys. All right, let's just move this table. No, you guys should be okay. Um, yeah, I just do this. Just rotate where I can see. I want to see everybody's face. And, because you're going to learn when teaching Bible studies. Here's your first thing. Um, if you have a, a pen and a paper, does anybody have... So, like, all right, anybody who want, would want to take notes, do they have something to take notes with? If you either digitally, or I, I have some sticky notes I can give you, and a pen. Do you, anybody need any utensils? Can I borrow a pen? Yes, you can. Oh, Eric's got, yeah, Eric's will get some. Eric, uh, Kenneth, you want to? And then uh, he might let us. But anyway, so you want to be able to see people's faces. Um, because this, you want to connect with people. You're, you're trying to connect. You know, I mean, you're not really teaching if you're, you know, you're not preaching to people. You're connecting and teaching them. You're speaking to them. And so that's kind of the first thing. Okay. So we should be everybody ready to start. Good. We everybody got notes or something to write with or digital notes. Okay. So all the, um, so what I do, and if you guys have ever been a part of any of my Bible studies, you guys know Craig and Tessa What's the first thing we do? Prayer. Prayer. We always start with prayer. Um, every time I do a Bible study, you know, it doesn't matter what, what we're teaching on. You know, I always like to start with prayer. Um, and I'm just going to give you some notes. So as we're talking, like, you know, what, so what I always pray for, I always pray number one. Uh, well, I actually ask, always ask the person I'm teaching a Bible study to, do you have anything you want to pray for? You know what I mean? And, and that's a good way to get to know about what's going on in their lives and what, you know, people seem tend to pray for things that are important to them. And so you can also connect, you'll find out what's, what's, what's their priorities, you know. And, uh, you know, in that way also you'll be able to better minister to somebody because you can find out stuff about their life that you would have never known. They would have never just came out and told you. You know, somebody, you could have had a friend for years and then all of a sudden you request prayer. They tell you, oh, pray for my mom, she has cancer. You know what I mean? That could, that would change your whole mindset when ministering to them. Because now you're getting this insight of their needs. And that can help you better minister to their needs. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of the goal there. Um, and so we'll, since we're starting, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and ask for needs. And then the other thing I like to do is I always pray, number one, that God would bless the teaching of his word, of course, because, you know, it's his word that, that we're trying to get. 
his, we're trying to get them connected to God, you know. Um, and so you want to pray for the ministry of the word and then pray that your mind would be open and that their minds would be open to receive revelation. And so right there, you kind of sneak it in there. You kind of get that face-to-face. God opened their, oh, like, and I always say ours. Like, I never say open their mind because you don't want to make them feel belittled or like they don't know anything. You know what I mean? So you say, God, speak to us today. Speak to us through your word. Open us. Give us new revelation. Help us to draw closer to you. So do the things I pray for. Um, does anybody have any prayer request? Yes. Okay. Um, Lily. Lily. That's yeah. a good one. I like that. Um, anybody else have any other prayer requests? Uh, Jerry that I work with. Right. He's got the severe emphysema and has to wear the oxygen helmet. Definitely we'll be praying. And then uh, please be praying for uh, Seneca Church, you know, us as a church and move, you know, what, where we need to go as a church. And then uh, pray for the work in Clemson IS that personally uh, we went through. We, you know, we have the board building we're looking at. And then we went ahead. We have a possibility, a second possibility mm-hmm. that if, God wanted to open that door, we'd be okay with it too. So um, wherever God wants to put us, we'll go, you know. Mm-hmm. So be praying for that work in Clemson. Be praying for Sister Foster. Um, I, uh, you guys, a lot of you heard Wednesday night, I announced it. There were no, they did the scan, no more tumors in her body. God did that, so praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. So no more tumors. So, um, and they were afraid because they took all those lymph nodes on that left side, and all of them, there was like four tumors in the lymph nodes. And so they were afraid that they were going to find they were afraid of what they were going to find. And I believe that God has healed her. And so they still want to do just only four treatments of chemo, which is way less than they were originally oh, yeah, looking at. And then just to make sure that there's no dormant cancer cells. Yeah. And so they want to do that chemo just to kill, just in case there are any other cancer cells that they can't see in the scan to wipe them out. So not, it won't be that bad. It'll be like one week, three weeks off, one week. And she'll have time to recover. So uh, that's a miracle. I mean, because we were really praying for that just because, um, yeah, so it was looking bad. So be pray for Sister Foster. Be praying for Philip Henderson. A lot of you guys know he's got that major tumor. Um, so any other requests before we go into the work prayer? Awesome, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be together. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for every person that's here tonight, God. Every person that wants to grow, grow closer to you, God. Every person that wants to learn your word. I, I pray, God, that you would just anoint me, Lord, tonight as I speak, God, and help me to speak the word boldly and what you would have me to teach, God. I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch every person, touch every mind, and open up our hearts and our minds to receive the revelation from you, God. I pray, Lord, for Sister Foster, heal her body. God, and just continue that healing that you've started. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for um, Philip Peterson, God, that you would heal him of this cancer. I pray for Lily and all of our backsliders, God, that you would draw them back to you, Lord. I pray for Hunter and Tyler as well and bring them back to you, Father. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bless the church in Seneca. Lord, bless us with property, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would bless the Easley church with property. Lord, I pray that you would bless the Clemson church with property. Lord God, let your work be further. Bless this Bible study and this time together. Speak to us, God, and open us. Give us a revelation. Give us a burden and a passion for the lost in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. Also, as you guys probably will learn very quick when you guys are teaching Bible studies, um, you run, you really end up running the show. Um, I remember when I first started teaching in Clemson, we just started teaching on Clemson Bible studies. Nobody else uh, talked out loud. Like, they, they, they didn't pray out loud because a lot of denominational churches don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you know that. Even though that's very unbiblical, there's no, 
And everybody, you know, when you read the Bible, even throughout the Psalms, and David's talking about praying, he says, Lord, hear my voice. You know, hear, hear me when I cry. But a lot of other denominations, they don't pray aloud. Um, and so that was a weird thing for me because we have a room full of people and just, everybody's just listening to me pray. But I take advantage of it, you know, and so run that. Don't be, don't be frightened by that. Um, and then encourage them. And, and, and I and eventually, I ended up teaching a mini Bible study. I stopped our course. And I taught a Bible study of why we pray out loud. And the next week we had like yeah, a lot, yeah, every, more people started praying out <laughs> they were, loud. They were quieter, but right, quieter, but they still were praying out loud. And I talked about that. And like Jared, you know, before he got baptism, I said because he still would have a habit. He pray out loud sometimes, but yeah, most times, most times pray silently. And I said, I'll baptize you if you want to be baptized. I said, I'll baptize you. I said, but I want you to repent out loud. I said, I won't baptize you unless you repent out loud. Um, because first of all, you can't be baptized unless you repent. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew he was genuine. Though. I knew he really wanted to be baptized. So it had nothing to do with the desire. But I was just like, I was going to do it in order. So I was just like, he, I said, I don't care. I said, if you want, I said, I'll walk across the room. So we all were loud. Yeah. So I said, I'll pray loud. Nobody will hear you. I said, you better pray loud. And I made him promise me. He said, I'll do it. And I said, okay. And so I did that. So you want to just so you're going to be aware of that. That's something you're going to run into is a lot. But you pray out loud and lead the prayer. You're leading the Bible study. You're teaching. You know, when you go out and you start getting a Bible study, it doesn't matter who you're teaching to. You have to appear somebody older. You have to remember that, that this is, you know, obviously it's God's word, but it's your Bible study. You're running it. You're the one. You're the teacher here. And so act like that. Lead. Take the charge. Be the, you know, we talked about last night, Brother Kelton, you know, it goes right in transition of what? Um, just being the leader and taking a stand and not conforming. Be that leader. Don't be afraid of your identity. I'm telling you, Kelton preached it last night, really. Don't be afraid of your identity, but, but be apostolic, you know, yeah. no matter who you're around. Mm -hmm. Because that's your witness. You don't want them, you know, the way you, you would respond in church when the Holy Ghost started moving, respond that way in Bible study. You can ask Craig. I'd pray passionate sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'd pray for sick. I'd speak to sickness just like I speak to it in church. You know, some of those people, they, they ain't they never heard that. They ain't never heard that. You know what I mean? But you know what? It, 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 it grew that hunger and that desire. So that's what you want to do. I'm so excited to teach a study. And even though we're restarting, it's been so long. So I feel like um, it's counted for. You know, we'd only gotten into, I think, what, the third or fourth lesson. Yeah, uh, of course, now that was two lessons on each one. So right. we did it for about eight weeks, six, eight, six to eight weeks. But um, even then, it's been so long ago. And this is good stuff. Um, I actually did you a favor um, what I did. Now, I will say a lot of times when you guys are teaching this, you know, you remember a lot of you guys have seen the teacher manuals. I suggest don't teach from that. Now, your first time ever teaching, use that. That's for your study. You study it. Read the whole lesson. I'll be honest with you. I, it's um, I, 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 different Bibles I teach. I don't always do the exploring God's word because sometimes I can only get them committed. If I only can get them committed to one Bible study, I'm going to teach the water and the spirit. But if you can get them committed to start meeting you with Bible studies, I, I really recommend this one because what it does, it starts in Genesis, goes through Revelation, and what it does, it allows you to build the validity of Scripture. At first, you're going to be like, "Why am I teaching?" you know, six lessons in the Old Testament. What you're doing is you're building agreement. You know, they, they, they believe, they agree with you that, you know, God created man and put him in the garden. They agree, you know, the sin. They agree with Noah. And so what you're doing is you're building their confidence that, okay, he's teaching scripture. 
you know, or she's teaching scripture. And so you're building that confidence. And so that's why I love this Bible study. So I've went through though, and even this morning, I'll be honest with you, I went through the teach as many times as I've taught this lesson, um, just because also I knew that I was going to tell you guys to make sure you read all the way through the lessons. You know what I did this morning? I read through the entire lesson, the whole thing. Went through, updated the notes. That's why I said, if you have the old ones, throw them away um, because I got new ones. I'll print you off some new ones. Uh, to get you guys copies, physical copies. You guys feel free to teach this. You don't have to teach from my notes. Use it, make it your own. See, what I started doing is I started going through and making my own versions of like my own teaching notes. And I would make these handouts. I print out whoever I teach to. You can ask Craig. I make handouts and I give handouts for when I teach. And even now on our Zoom call, a lot of times I still, I'll, I'll text it to the group chat, send yeah. a send the um, um, file for um, our Bible study notes. And it's just a way, because why? What you're doing is, number one, if they want to go back, they can go back. They can see what we did. And also, the main thing, they know what scriptures you came from. So that's what you want to do. And then, of course, you guys are going to see uh, nothing. So, you know, like I said, this is half lesson, half that. And it's not going to be, all right, half material, halfway point. Now, let me give you tips and tricks. If you guys, you guys who were here before, remember, I kind of go in and out of teaching the lesson. And check. Another thing I want to do, just kind of this intro as we're getting together, like I said, the whole thing about seeing everybody, you want to make everybody in the room, you know, it's, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, you want to make it feel like a small room setting. You want to be connected with people. You notice as I've been talking, I, I look and, I, and I, connect, I want to connect with people. And that's what you guys want to do. You want to make them feel like they're a part. You don't want them to feel like they're just sitting in church and not, you know, being preached at. You want to make it as much conversational as you can. And so also, I will go ahead and say, if you guys have questions, um, feel free to ask them. Because in my Bible studies that we would run, I loved questions. That was my favorite part because that, I, that's when you can really get into a lot of doctrinal stuff that you want to be able to get into. You know what I mean? I would like, I love it. You know, I was making mention like, oh, this is a picture of baptism. But like, how? And I thought, I'm glad you're asked. And then, you know, so then I'd go on a tangent, and that's why our 12-week Bible study turned into six months. You know, what? but when I was doing that was on purpose. I was trying to build a connection. They let me in their living room. So I was like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to wear out my welcome. You know what I mean? I'm going to teach you the word until you get it. And through that, of course, Jamie was baptized, got the Holy Ghost. Uh, his mom baptized, got the Holy Ghost. Jared's baptized and will get the Holy Ghost. Um, he's about to. He's, he was so close to feeling the presence of God. Adam was close. So, mm -hmm. so from that, you build a connection. That's the whole point I'm saying. You want to build that connection. Also, uh, have them. I, you guys, most of you guys have your Bibles, I see, or a techno, uh, physical, uh, what digital form, which is fine. Uh, in our Bible study, it was half and half about who used the phone and who not. Mm -hmm. I encourage I, you to find out when I teach Bible studies, I, I, you will find, I go through. You guys are going to be reading in the Bible study. I, I get you guys involved. And every Bible study I do, I, now on Zoom calls, uh, I don't because it's a lot harder on a Zoom call to rotate, you know what I mean? Um, but in-person Bible studies, I, even when we were having 11 people, you know, mm -hmm. I was going through and you go through the list, you know. Uh, Eric, I, I might probably make even what you read if you want to even understand. I'll let you read uh, some too. Uh, because you want to make them feel connected. And, and you want them, another reason why, you want them to have a Bible. Do not, if you start teaching somebody and they don't have a Bible, especially if it's one-on-one, -on -one, if you're sitting across each other, sit beside them and have your Bible. You want them to read it in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
You want everybody, even if, okay, you're reading this one, you're reading this one. Every once in a while we're, we're doing like quick fire shots, you know, like just a bunch of scriptures to back up the point. I'd be like, hey, you go here, you go here, you go here, and then we'd read it. But throughout your main study, you want everybody to turn there because you want people to know you're not teaching man's idea. You know, this whole thing, exploring God's word, you want them to know you're coming from the word of God. You want them to see it for themselves. Because this is the authority. Yeah. Right here. It's the word of God. Or we why why can we stand on the fact that we preach truth? It's because we don't stand on man's idea. We stand on the word of God. Everything we teach and preach is in the word of God. That's right. You know what I mean? That's our authority. You know, and I just said Wednesday night, you know, I have people, you know, who've asked me before, you know, how you know you you're so bold when you preach. Well, half of my message is scriptures. You know what I mean? So when I speak that word, I can say that with all boldness and confidence because I know the source. And we're actually going to be getting that into our Bible study. So let's go ahead and get through that. Um, oh, I got to turn my Bluetooth on. I forgot that. Uh, oh, I forgot. Hopefully it'll connect. If not, it's okay. Uh, all right. So here we go. We have our introduction to the Old Testament. You can see on your notes here, I kind of broke it up. Um, and you kind of have your four... Um, time periods you have um, in the Old Testament. And so, your first, um, it's all right, but if you, you need it, if not, just like, don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, unless you need it. Yeah. Um, but your first, you have this, your age of innocence, and nobody really knows how long this time period was. Um, it, it kind of ranged from the creation to the Garden of Eden um, to the point of them being expelled to the, the fall of man. You know, because it, it was, we know it was longer than a day. Because the Bible says in the cool of the day, God would walk with them. So this had been something, a continual thing. God had come down and they had walked with God for a little bit, you know, to the point that it had become a routine. So we know they're in a routine because I've heard people say, like, man, they couldn't even last a day in paradise. Well, that's not true. They were there for a little bit, at least. Uh, I mean, it could have been, only could have been three days, you know, four days. It could have been a week. could have been 100 years. could have been 200 years. Could have been, could have almost been 500 years. You know, we really don't know. I think it was longer. Um, then we really think it is. I really do. Um, I think it was a lot longer than we think. But um, And so that's that kind of time period that we have. Uh, let me see this. So then you have the age of conscience. Um, yeah, that's what great. So then you have the age of conscience. Conscience, this is like what a conscience, I mean, waking up, realizing. You know, so after the fall of man, um, people now, they're aware. They know what's going on. And uh, this spanned from um, the fall of man, so when they ate the fruit, the original sin, and it spanned to Abraham, Father Abraham. And, of course, you guys all know these people, but I will just warn you, you probably will teach some people. I'm teaching a, a Bible study right now with two people uh, that they have no idea who these people are. Literally have no idea who any of Moses, Abraham, they may have heard the names, but have no idea who they are. So there is a very likely situation, chance, so you may be teaching people that have no idea who these people are. Yeah. So when you're on this part especially, uh, be like, just let them know. Be like, hey, yeah, we're going to go through this later. You know what I mean? But the majority of people you teach because we live in the Bible Belt, they're going to at least know these names. Then you have the time of the patriarchs. Patriarchs is meaning forefathers, your leaders, you know, your, um, your ancestors. And this goes from Abraham to Moses. Um, as you guys know, this is the time really before law. There is no written law at this point. The written law doesn't come um, until, uh, until Moses. And then that's when you get into this last point where the law and the prophets. And this spans from Moses to Christ. This is our longest time period that we really see um, in human history. Really, I mean, how long we have? About 4,000 years from Moses to the last 
till Jesus came. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about four thousand years long. So we're looking at the law and prophets lasting double of where we're at now. Yeah. Um, and so this is your time periods. And so this is just kind of you know gives you what you do. Well, this is what you're doing. This why like why why is this so important? You want them to see the Bible and just see as a whole. This is all yeah. one book. You know, it's such a big book. But you want to kind of get them to realize, you know, this this book is it's big. It covers a lot. It covers all of human history. You know, from the beginning. This is the only book ever existing that tells us from before time to now mm -hmm. to the end of time. This Bible tells us yeah. what's going to happen at the very end. So this is the only book that has ever been written that tells you how the world started and how it's going to end. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome if you yes. think about it. You know what I mean? So uh, now we get to this breakdown right here. And uh, you really want to let them know this. And I love this. You have 32. Um, the Bible says it teaches us that there's 32 authors. You know, it doesn't written here. It's on the notes that I gave you. But uh, the Old Testament has 32 uh, writers, I mean. But there's only one author. Yeah. And we're going to get that to a minute. There's only one author. Who is that author? It's God himself. Yeah. The Bible says all oh, scripture, you know, we'll get into it, is the inspired word of God. And basically, men would just write as the Holy Ghost moved on them. And so there's 39 books that break into uh, the Old Testament, and I'll get into the breakdown in a second. And it covers about 36,000 years of human history, and I've rounded up to 4,000, but 36,000 years of human history, which is pretty, that's a long time. You know what I mean? There's no other, and it's accurate. We even have genealogies. You know what I mean? How accurate the Bible is. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. It's probably only been on earth for like 6,000 years. Yeah, and 36,000, uh, 33,000, I'm sorry, I said 36,000. Oh. 36, 36, sorry. Sorry, no, I, I, you misquoted. I misquoted, yeah, the information, right? Yeah. Well, of course, we want to be on earth. Of course, the earth, we don't know how long it existed before time. The Bible says the earth existed. We'll read it in a second. And it was out form and void. And mm -hmm. the Spirit of God moved in the waters. We don't know how long the garden was there. Right. Oh. Yeah. So, anyways. And so, that's what I have. So, here. Let's go ahead and break this down a little bit. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go into the inspired word of God. And so, I will read the very first scripture. And then what we will do is I will start. And I always do uh, clockwise. Um, if you guys really want to be that weird person, you can go counterclockwise. I go clockwise because it helps me keep track. You know what the difference between counterclockwise, you know, clock. Think of a clock and then counterclockwise is the opposite of a clock. Like if this was a clock, it would go this way. Okay, I'm going first and then we'll come this way. You really want to read a clock? He was scared. I'm not a read That's right. So our first scripture, you know, you would think as since we're starting the Old Testament, we start in Genesis, but our very first scripture is actually going to be in the New Testament. If you would, let's go ahead and go to this book of Second Peter. Um, this is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible um, because I really love Peter. Um, and Peter just he was very smart. He, he, knew, he knew a thing or two. He knew a lot of things. He knew a lot of things or two. Especially if you really read the book of Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. The fact that he was never educated and could write the way he did. Of course, he probably was transcribed, but though his words were so profound. So uh, it's first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but of holy men of God spake as they were moved of the Holy Ghost. And then, Craig, if you'll go ahead, let's go ahead and all turn uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. And if you'll give us a second, Craig, before you um, yeah. read. 2 Timothy what? 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse uh, 16. And I'm ready. Is everybody else ready? Yes, sir. Yes. Ready. All right, go ahead, Craig. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay, so what are we doing here? Why, why, why did we read those scriptures at the very beginning of the Bible study? What we're trying to do is we're trying to, even though we don't have to validate God's word, you want them to know that when we read the Bible, we're not reading man's ideas. Yeah. We're literally reading the word of God. And we want people to know that when we're reading the scripture, that it's not just us. It's not our idea. And so you, what you're doing, the reason why we start there is because most people who believe in God, um, they believe that Scripture is an authoritative document. You know what I mean? They believe that if Scripture says it, it's true. Yeah. But you may have times, and I've had times, where I'm teaching the Bible. They've never really been exposed to the Bible, never really known the Bible. And so to them, this is just a book. And so you want them to know that this is not just man writing about God, but this is God speaking to us yeah you know what i mean and so you want them to know that and actually wrote right here um the word inspired in the greek means god breathed so when we wrote about how they were inspired or the word of god prophecy is inspired um it's not it doesn't mean as in like oh like i'm gonna write something great it means that god breathed and so this is god's word this is god speaking and so you want to just let them know that hey this is this is God's word. This is, this is real. This is more than just our ideas. And so next we get into this. That Of course, this goes right. It's inspired that the Bible is the word of God. And like, so what we're doing now, we're really we're pushing that point. We're letting them know that, hey, you know, this is serious. You know, this is, this is not my idea. So Dakota, man, let's go ahead and go. You go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read verse 2. Deuteronomy 4, 2. Yes, sir. Okay. And also, in your Bible says, don't be, you know, you're not in a hurry. You know, as long as they're not in a hurry, let people, you know, be like, don't be like, you there yet? You there yet? You know, let them, you know, most of the time, like you'll see, like most of you did, when you get there, the first thing you do, you get there, and then you always look up. So you just, you, you know, you probably know, the, hopefully, you know where the books of the Bible are better than the person that you're hopefully teaching. that would be bad. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that would be bad. Um, but, so if you do, the most time you'll get there before they do. So when you get there, just sit silently and just not weirdly look at them, but, you know, just kind of do that and then they'll meet your gaze when they're ready. Go ahead, Dakota. All right, Deuteronomy 4, 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye dim diminish out from it that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Awesome. Let's go, uh, Kenneth, let's go to the book of Proverbs. And if you'll go read uh, chapter 30 and verse 6. Proverbs 36. Yes. Did you do what I told you not to do? And did you flip there before? I might have. Mm. I might just be really fast, though. You could be. You could be. And it's possible. Very possible. I trust you. I'll take the word for it. Let me put that picture right now. It's unlikely, but it's possible. Another thing is, like, when everybody's turning, it doesn't hurt to make a little bit of small talk, too. Well, that's why you always see me here say, oh, that's why, while you guys are flipping, most of them I'll say, uh, like, a little sentence or whatever. And you can, you can continue talking about the previous scripture and stuff, so, like, don't, like, you don't have to be there in awkward, awkward silence. Yeah. Oh. There's stuff you can do. <laughs> All right, go ahead, brother. And thou not unto his words, lest he approve thee, and thou be found a liar. Okay, so you kind of get the point where we're going there. Let's go ahead, uh, Nathaniel, I'm going to go to you. I'm just going to kind of connect it and kind of do like a little S thing. Uh, if you go ahead and read, uh, go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 19, which this is uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love the book of Revelation, as you guys well know. Um, and I make that P 
known very early in my Bible studies that I love prophecy. Um, because a lot of people are interested in prophecy. So if you just start bringing it up, the idea, a lot of people really get interested. Yeah, um, they love the idea of prophecy. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Mm -hmm. All right, so what's the point of reading these things? Number one, like I said here, uh, with the Bible being just the Word of God, you're, you're doing this is inspired. This is not just a man's idea. Now what we're doing is you want to let them, you want to value and let them reassure them that, hey, man did not just change this. And you guys may know the history, but we, can, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. There was nothing more accurate that throughout the, of its existence than the yeah, Bible. That's right. I mean, you go back, especially the Old Testament. Well, okay, so with the Old Testament, they were so precise and uh, transcribing it the way they would do it. They would literally count every word and every letter or symbol before they would put out a copy of the scripture yeah. to make sure that it lined up exactly with the original copy. Yeah. Now we see in the New Testament, that is not, they don't hold that same practice as much, um, but there are so many original manuscripts with the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff, such like that, mm -hmm. that when we bring all of them together, it's very easy to see, okay, this is really what it said. Yeah. Uh, this right here, you can see they had like a spelling error or whatever. Uh, we'll write that out, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And so I right hear you're really letting them know that, hey, this is bigger than, you know, what man and that has stood the test of time. You want them to know that this book has stood the test of time. I wrote right here, this is not man's book, but instead the Bible is God's book to man. Yeah, It's pretty profound if you think about it. I came up with that this morning. Let's go to the next thing. So, um, oh, he went back. Why did you do that? I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. It's all good. All right, so right here. The Word of God will be preserved. Uh, Emily, if you want to flip, we're going to read uh, in the book of Psalms. You get to read two scriptures, unlike everybody else. You get to read 12, 6, and 7. Yeah, I know there's so many lights. It's either you get to the beginning or the end. Like, the middle of the Psalms is crazy. Because there's, like, there's like some books that are only like four or five verses, and there's some that are three bars. Yeah, it's like almost 200. Like one chapter of Psalms would be like three pages. Chapter 12, it's right after chapter 11, right before chapter 13. Wait. Thank you. I figured I'd help you guys out. Is it Isaiah the uh, no, Psalms has 150 chapters. Isaiah already has 66 chapters. Isn't that longer? It might be. I've never actually read it. I don't know if you ever read Psalms 119. It's longer than half the books of the Bible, just that one chapter. It's 175, right? Or... No, Psalms is 150. No, what I mean is... Oh, verses. Yeah, verses, yeah. Yeah, So Psalms 119 is longer than the book of James, the book of Timothy, all basically all the smaller epistles... So just one. It's a, so of, it's a bunch of chapters. I honestly, I've never leveled out Isaiah with Psalms. I never actually. I have to look into that. That's a good question. I'll, I'll, we'll look into that after our Bible study. We we'll have to look that up because that's. I've never looked. I've never thought about it. But Isaiah, yeah. No, if you ever think about it, this, is random. We went through, you know, six, uh, 39 books, but book of, in the entire Bible, there's 66 books, and the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters. Mm -hmm. 
which is pretty interesting if you think about it. And not only that, half of it deal with the time current of Israel, and then half of it is prophecy for the Messiah. So it even fits the Old Testament, New Testament, which is pretty cool. So Isaiah, the book of Isaiah really is a summarization of all um, the Bible. So that's awesome. Is everybody at the 12th Psalm? Yep. Uh, Emily, if you want to get in and read, girl, if you want to read uh, verse 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So right here we have a promise of God, and God's what His promise is saying, my words will be preserved. Yeah. And we've seen God fulfill that promise through our history. They've tried to destroy Scripture. They burned, you know, in, in, the, in uh, Nazi Germany, they were just burned Bibles. You know what I mean? And even with the Hebrews, they've tried to, how many times was the temple ransacked, and they tried to destroy, but always a copy of the law existed. Even the time when the temples would be shut down, they're going through and through the rubble, you know, the, pro, the priest comes out and said, we found a copy of the law. And then they read it and get everybody back right. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it says, God has always reserved his word. And um, even in our King James Bible, which uh, I believe it was a God thing, God really preserved our Bible in English. Um, and even if there is a few discrepancies that scholars would argue, uh, it's still the most accurate thing that we have. You know, of course, yeah. now we have a little bit better, you know, transit. But for hundreds of years, you know, our Bible, even in English, has stood the test of time. And so it's just amazing when you think about it. And you could, you know, debate and get in scholarly stuff, like I said. But at the end of the day, the Word of God has been unhindered. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty awesome. Um, Chandler, man, brother, if you want to go to, let's go to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 16. And uh, verse 17. And so, uh, as you guys can see, you know, uh, you guys kind of see what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're building our case. We haven't even started teaching scripture yet. We're building our case. We're going to let them know that before we even start teaching that, hey, this is the word of God. And you're going to build their faith, not in your teaching, not in your knowledge, but you're building their faith in God's word. And you're already shifting your, the attention from yourself and you're putting it on God. So it's pretty awesome. Chandler, are you ready, brother? Yep. Go ahead. Take it away. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one title of the law to fail. That's pretty specific. You know, Jesus saying the heaven can pass away. But my word is going to remain. And that is the truth. You know, the earth has been shaken, but yet it's still here. So it's pretty awesome. So let's go right here to our next thing, which is pretty exciting. So now we get into the creation. And uh, I love this chart, by the way. Um, we were talking about the other day. Who was I talking to the other day? Uh, was it about the old charts? I was talking to Ken. Who Wait, was with us? Zachary. Was it last night, Zachary Kelly? Yeah, it was with Zachary Kelly. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, we're talking about. So, I, I've taught the exploring God's word, the old charts, and into his marvelous light and all these. And they used to, all these stuff used to be these hand drawn. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was bad. It was pretty, I mean, like, I will say, like, it, the thing about it, like, explains God's word, the handwritten stuff, like, drawn stuff was better than most. But most of the stuff, it was rough. Um, yeah. and, and so the fact that we have, like, colors and, like, you know what I mean? Very, it's beautiful. Um, when I started teaching Bible studies, you like, from going to teaching material, I did not have this. I wish I did because it probably would have been useful. And then when I first started teaching Bible says this is just a joke. Uh, not a joke, but it's just something funny you guys know. So I ended up getting a hold of a chart without the teacher manual at first. So like I started teaching. So even when I started teaching from a chart, 
I still would have to write my own lessons. And so I'm looking at this chart trying to figure out these hand-drawn pictures. And like, where am I going from here? You know, eventually after that, I actually ended up getting rid of the chart again, went back just to teach my own lessons, and then eventually came back to this. And, and, and this is the way to do it because right here, you know, you're not, you know, I'm, I don't have to get up and try to act like I'm smart or nothing. You already have the material. It's in front of you. If it's don't broke, don't fix it. And with the, the beautiful, how beautiful this is and just giving the visuals, uh, I think it's amazing. So here we'll go into the seven-day creation. So now here we go. You see this transition. We build our case, and then now we get to this point um, where we go straight into the book, uh, uh, into the Bible. And so we're starting from chapter one. You know, yeah. so uh, there, you know it's kind of easy. So let's all turn to Genesis chapter one. We're going to be here basically for. We're going to have some few scriptures to uh, validate some points, but for the most part, this is where we're going to ride. Uh, Amy, I believe you're next. Let's go ahead and talk about the first day of creation. If you'll read Genesis 1, 2 through 5. Okay. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God said the light that it, God saw the light and said that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So that's pretty cool. We, we see this division here. And this is what I was talking about. How long was the earth here? You know what I mean? Because it obviously was there. It said the earth was without form and void and darkness upon water. But yet we still see the earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people. And I, depending on who I'm teaching, I'll bring up some theories that people have. Um, you know, they have some people where you know, if the, the Scientologist people, and that, they're not actually Scientologists, but they believe in science, very big in science. You know, some people believe that God basically used a similar type of what a black hole. That this is like that God here. Uh, I know somebody, a very good friend of mine, and he's apostolic. You know, and believes the truth, but he believes in the creation. Uh, that the right here, that the dark without void and darkness and, and water, you know, he believes that it's a black hole and that God spoke and basically God did his own Big Bang. And it was God completely, but yet he moved it, you know, and I personally don't really necessarily believe that as much, um, but he does and, and I, I stand with him. And it, I mean, if, as long as he's preaching salvation, I, you know, we can disagree. We can agree to disagree on that. But it's still cool, though. And so I'll bring up stuff like that. And then, of course, you guys remember, we talked about the gap theory for a little bit. You know, like, where is that? Where do dinosaurs find their place in the Bible? You know, stuff like that, people want to know. And so a lot of people teach that from Genesis chapter 1, the Bible, and I'll just go through this, verse 1, um, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then it goes to verse 2, And the earth was without form and void. So, but when God creates something, it's perfect, it's full, it's mature. But then now you see God creates it, but then in verse 2, it's void and without form and, and it's darkness, you know. So some people say this is where Satan is cast to earth, between chapter, verse 1 and verse 2. We know Satan's cast down before man is in the garden. And we know he's cast to earth. Because Jesus said, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, he fell to the earth like lightning. So we know Satan was cast to the earth. And we know he was in the earth before the garden. Because in the book of Ezekiel, it's like, now like this, like this part, I wouldn't just tell a lot of new converts. But you, you gauge your audience. If you have people who know the Bible, and if you know something like that, bring it out. You know, because in Ezekiel, it talks about um, 
about Lucifer being in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And it talks about jewels. And really, you read about this being, there's not a garden here. It's just beautiful. So are we looking at Eden before God planted the garden? You know what I mean? So just a lot of stuff with that. So you can bring out stuff, but um, I would just... You know, gauge a crowd. Obviously, they've never even heard about the Bible. Don't get them thinking about all these, you know, extra biblical theories. You know what I mean? Um, but, like I said, gauge a crowd. So, uh, Okay, let's go to day two. Um, and then right here, me, man, this is going to be you, girl. If you'll read Genesis 1, 6 to 8. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. All right, so right here, what's the firmament? You can see right here, sky. Um, a lot of times when I teach, I actually explain this even go in depth more. It's the ozone layer. God's now creating the oxygen-rich environment. Um, the Bible also tells us that the firmament was never broken um, until the days of Noah. You know, that the firmament was broken. That's why it had never rained on the earth, because God has this protective mm -hmm. layer around the earth. And the thing about it was so awesome about this firmament, and I really do believe this part, and this is really getting to science, If you, depending on who you have, uh, this, that firmament with that water layer, what it would do, it would create a, number one, it would protect you from radiation from the sun. Water is great for uh, protection of radiation. If you go to Duke Energy, and I know this, you know, just because I you know, wanted to work at the nuclear plant and never did, but I do work for Duke, but at their nuclear facility, when they take the nuclear core out of the reactor, they store it in water, Mm -hmm. in this huge water tank until the radiation can seep out. So water is, and they, the great thing about that, not only that, so if you are taking the reactor out, you have, these guys wear these hazmat suits like you would not even believe, like the layer of protection and stuff like that. But when you put it in that water and they put it in the bottom of that tank, you can walk in that water tank with no suit on and won't get any radiation poison. Mm -hmm. You won't have anything on, but because that water is that separation. And so this is why, so now we look in the beginning, you have this layer of water that surrounds the earth and it protects the earth. Number one, we're looking at the fact that it's protected from radiation, so you don't have problem, but there's also like a magnifying glass. So, you know, you want to know what the dinosaurs, this is where I kind of get into, this is what I like to teach, because people find this stuff interesting, that the lizard grows until it dies. Mm -hmm. And it grows into its environment. So if humans lived as long as they did, because I believe because of the firmament, because they're healthier, they grew taller. That's why we see giants, because the firmament, the, the ozone layer was healthier. It was more oxygen-enriched environment. How, how long were the animals living? If they were living as long as mankind, you know, too, obviously we're not living as long as man, but in relation to mankind, a lizard could have been living five, six hundred years. And if they grow till they die in this oxygen-enriched environment, how big would these things get? That's the dinosaurs right there. I believe 100%. There are some people that argue that the dinosaurs didn't never existed. I believe they existed. And I believe we see this. I believe this is why they got big. I don't believe even that they, like lizards evolved from dinosaurs. No, I believe that these were the same lizards, same species, really, but just growing to be these huge things. You know, mm -hmm. of course, they adapt to their environment. So as the climate has changed and everything, they've adapted. Um, and then as they've spread out, they've adapted. But, you know, tell people stuff like that. People want to know. Yes. I do have a question. Go for so it. something I've always wondered. Uh-huh. Like, because there's, like, supposedly, like, water dinosaurs uh -huh. and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Did they die in the flood? Yeah, do you think they died or do you Dude, think they're still alive? I've been talking about that. that. I do believe they eventually died, but because that ferment was broken, like I talked about, even though they live underwater, that water still has oxygen. They just, 
the, the gills allow them to filter the water for the oxygen. As the, so this is the same thing with humans. Even after that, I believe that animals and everything were growing just as big. People were still just as strong and as big. But as time has gone, mm -hmm. has progressed, we've, this animals, everything has shrunk down. So I believe, yeah, they lived, but after a while, after, you know, a couple, I mean, you got to think, old I mean, a couple, after yeah. a thousand years, we see them die, you know, small down a lot. So, yeah. Do you think that's the same case for the um, preservation of man and how long they lived? Yeah, I do. I do. I believe that's why they're healthy. That's right. And that's why you see, even when God says man should not, should not live past 120 years, that's why you see him live longer for a while but you see the ages slowly decrease yeah, every everything so i believe what happened was yeah. earth itself began to degrade mm -hmm. and we began and, and it's because it was because of sin and uh, sin caused a lot of stuff so um and that's why like sickness all that kind of stuff came after sin so after sin enters the old world and that's why you know um i believe you know what well, the bible says a new heaven and new earth God will one day restore us. You know, we talked about a bear. God will restore us to the original plan, which was us living on earth in this perfect environment. And I believe we're going to see this paradise. Mm -hmm. The Bible actually talks about there the new Jerusalem, and it's going to come down, which is so exciting. And then the Bible says that God will live amongst his people. God, you know, instead of us, see, we mm -hmm. have this. Yeah, I'll, I'll get out of that. That's not the last I can teach a whole lesson <laughs> on that. But, you know, so, so you can bring your stuff out of this. So I think it's kind of cool. Uh, let's go to the next stuff because we can spend a whole Bible study just on that. Let's go to the third day. Little Zatman, this is you, brother. Awesome. Um, and you read on the third day. I like the third day, too. Go ahead and read uh, chapter, uh, verse 9 and 13. All right. Through 13, sorry. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gatherings uh, and the gathering together of the waters called called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit trees yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in uh, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. And after his kind, and after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Mm -hmm. So this is really cool when you get into the firmament uh, part of it. This is why. See, why did God really do this firmament before He did any? See, also you th you have to think out the mind of God and how smart God is, um, yeah. obviously, because He's all knowing. So you see the order of creation. First, He go ahead. He creates, you know, light and darkness. Of course, you know we don't have sun and moon and stars yet. You can go, I, I didn't get into it, but you guys remember the first time, you know, what do I believe the light and darkness was? Well, I believe that darkness, you know, we, we read evil, you know, Satan's existed and all that. The light, the, the Bible says that the idea of Jesus, that Jesus was the word, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. God knew the whole time that as he was doing this creation event, that man would fall. And so from the very beginning, from the very onset of our history, this is not the beginning of God's history. Yeah. Uh, God's eternal. He's, we don't understand how God has been there. But this is why. You want to say, how could God be there forever? It's because God created time. God's outside of time looking yeah. in time. So the whole concept of time is something God created. And time never existed, really, until we get to this day, um, which is the fourth day. But So I'm kind of ahead of myself on that. But um, we see that. So in the beginning, God created this light. But if you look, he makes light and darkness. Then all of a sudden, he makes the division of waters. You have, you know, so then he puts this firmament now. So he already created the ozone layer. And then he puts the grass and the trees. 
So now you have this firmament. Now he fills, he puts dry land, and he puts these plants. And now they're growing in this oxygen-rich environment. Well, not really yet, because there is no oxygen. So what does he do before he even creates any living creature? He plants the trees. And what is this doing? Now we have, you know, the, if this is the case, I don't know, but the Bible says, you know, like a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So this, we really could be looking at a 6,000-year creation scheme, you know? If all reality, if a day with the Lord is a thousand years, so we could be looking at six thousand oh seven thousand years right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the case. You have a thousand years of plants growing, completely populating the earth. Oxygen just filling this. You know what I mean? Just think about how beautiful yeah. it was. You know, what I mean, just just no. You know, I think you know. I work for Duke Energy, um, and I. But it breaks my heart sometimes. I go uh, do a lot of fielding. And I'll be in the mountain zones and, and like be in North Carolina in the middle of nowhere. Um, but some of the most beautiful landscapes. And then I look beside the road. Oh, I look and I'm driving on these paved roads through the most beautiful plains. And I look and there's power poles and I'm not to get emotional, but it breaks my heart because I'm like, God created this beautiful scenery and here man has come and we just plow through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we cut down a bunch of trees and, you know, we place them in the ground and put electric, electricity on top of it. You know what I mean? All those power poles you see, those are tree. Every power pole you see, that's a tree that cut down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not a tree hugger or nothing, but, and I don't think of it that way. I'm not the person, oh, we need to preserve the earth. The way I look at it is that this is God's you know, creation. I look at like places like New Zealand and they have all these forests. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what God intended the earth to be. You know what I mean? And so, but God is just, I don't know, I, can, I just can imagine just living there before we got there, you know, or just being in that perfect world where every, where God created it and he said, and it was good. Yeah. Just awesome to me. Let's go ahead. Let's continue. Um, Cause I can spend a lot of time with that, but I just really wanted to point out, you see how smart God is, how he goes through. Now we really, this is where we see God create the concept of time. And so now I guess we're restarting. I guess Eric, we'll go to you, brother. Uh, let's see. If you're going to read Genesis uh, chapter one, 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let there be signs and, uh, and signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanses of the heavens to give light to the earth. To rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. So this is where we really see the concept of what we call time. And this is where, because you can imagine, well, I mean, just imagine those people like living where the sun doesn't set for six months. Drive you crazy because how do you judge the day? You mm-hmm. don't. You know, your life is just crazy. Well, that was like, if God did that because he knew he was about, you know, we know when it gets dark. Uh, it starts to winding down for the natural. Naturally, you start to wind down after dark. Some people are night owls. That didn't exist though until electricity, because well, back in the day when the lights weren't out, that's all you got. You know what I mean? They went to bed when the sun, you know, lowered, and they woke up when the sun rose. That's how they lived their life. You know, and so you see that now. So I'm not going to stay on that too long because I already talked about this is the concept of time. But now we get into uh, where life, God begins to make life. And I think that's so awesome. So I guess it's on me. Yay. Um, so I'm going to read Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20. Um, and I'll just go ahead and start. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly moving creature 
that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creatures that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl of his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God blessed him, and he said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening, in the morning was the fifth day. Could you imagine? Just, I mean, I, I know I'm saying that, and I, I can, you know, and this is ahead of schedule, but, you know, you guys know the Bible, you know, Moses says, show me your glory, and God and tells Moses, you can't no man can see my face and live. He said, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, of the rock and I'm going to pass by, and I'm going to show you my hinder parts. And what that really translates, God says, I'm going to show you my works. So Moses says, I want to see you, God. Yeah. And God says, let me show you what I've done. And so we really get a revelation of who God is when we realize what he's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now we look at this creation of it, and we're seeing God, who God is in this. And I can only imagine being Moses and God showing Moses. Moses saw creation. That's how he could write about it. God showed Moses creation. So Moses is seeing this. And I can only, could you, I mean, really, could you imagine? That would be awesome to hear the voice of God. He's writing, and God said, let there be light. So God hears, you know, God called, Moses hears God say light, and you know, Moses is writing, oh, God said light. Dude, come on, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I can only imagine just Moses seeing the earth, and all of a sudden, yeah, I just imagine, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, fish and whales, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the sky is being filled with birds, and uh, how beautiful would that be? I mean, I just, I can only imagine. I mean, really, I could just, I daydream about that kind of stuff. I just think that would be so cool. So let's go ahead and, I'll keep going on. Because this is where we get into kind of our history, the beginning of our history. Craig, and you get to read this. That's kind of cool. That's a cool place to read. Go ahead, Craig. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created in he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I give, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of, the, of, of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So there's a lot in that passage of Scripture. Honestly, you could preach like 27 messages. Number one, you could preach about man and woman. God created man and woman. He made, or God created man and his image. He made he the him. He said man and woman. He made he them. Distinction between male and woman can't blend, can't cross. You're a man, you're a man, if you're a woman, you know what I mean? You could preach stuff like that. You could preach man having dominion, having power, authority, walking and ruling and reigning. God created man to be a ruler. 
We don't really think about that. But man was created to rule. Yeah. And when God, we were filled with God's spirit, that sonship is restored. We are now once again the sons of God. And we are meant to rule with power and authority. And we don't understand a lot of that because we live in a world where we see the fall, fallen nature of man. And you can preach a lot and then you can go into the whole thing right here. You know, I, I will bring this out because I don't know. I'll give you guys something what you may have never heard before. Uh, maybe some of you have heard this. But Eric, you probably have. But the majority, you probably have never heard this talk. Have you ever wondered right here where God says everything that has seed in it that you could eat? And then you think of the t knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was a seedless fruit. Which means it wasn't an apple. No, it wasn't an apple at all. Yeah. It was a seedless fruit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the apple thing, that was, yeah, that's tradition. I don't know where people get that from. It was um, easy for everyone to understand it. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? So it's a seedless fruit. But then check this out, though. But then, though, um, after mankind sinned, then sin was passed down from parents to children. The seed, our seed, became the seed of the fruit, the knowledge of tree and evil. It was passed. How, you know, because the seed bears after its fruit. Mm -hmm. And our seed was born. That, that's why we see the nature of sin. And we'll get into that more in our next lesson. We're going to kind of end that. But I don't know if you ever told that. I heard the first time I ever heard that was a man named Kenneth Reeves. Um, he's one of my favorite preachers. And he began to break that down. And when he broke that down, I was like, wow. You know, I mean, that's pretty profound. But mm -hmm. uh, does that really, does it matter to our salvation? No, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I figured I'd go ahead and tell you. Uh, and so, but we see the creation of man. We see the distinction. We see God creating living beings. And so now we see life. And, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. God looks at all of his creation and he's like, this is pretty great. Um, and this is why I believe that Adam and Eve lived in the garden a lot longer. Because on the seventh day, God rested. Um, I believe in this time, this is where we see that time of innocence. This is where, um, here, there you go. Uh, this is where we see um, God kind of communing with man and, and spending time with man. And yes, sir. Well, since you said like a day, as if a thousand years. Could right? they have been in there for a thousand years? Yeah, that's basically what I was about to ask. I careful to teach that, but I, I kind of believe. Yeah. Um, and I do, and then I believe their age really didn't start mm -hmm. until yeah. after. And we really don't know the time period between after their creation to the fall. Yeah. yeah, it could be it could be millenniums. So there's millennium there. You know? Yeah, and I don't believe it was millennium necessarily, yeah. but I, I I barely well believe it could have been a thousand years, because God rested. In other words, He wasn't working. And what's the stop? See, this is one thing. And you know, so it's six ten. We got five minutes. So I'm gonna talk. This is the lap. We're not gonna go to the next session. So we'll close on these last scriptures. But um, this is what I want you guys to realize. You have this as the first Sabbath ever. Mm -hmm. God institutes the Sabbath. In the very beginning of time. Now, we don't really practice the Sabbath. And a lot of people, you could ask why. Well, I'll tell you why. So, you look at through the Old Testament, the people commanded to keep the Sabbath. Why? Because God rested. And so, they would rest. But in the New Testament, we see a new Sabbath. The Sabbath is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so, this was a foreshadow of God's Spirit. Filling our hearts. Because the Bible says that when we partake of the Holy Ghost and when we live, it says this is the refresh, the rest. This is the refreshing where we can come to rest. It talks about the book of Isaiah. It talks about the book of Titus, the, the regeneration, the, the, the fulfilling, the refreshing. Titus 3, 5, it talks about that. And so we see here, um, God instituted here. So why, why, is it, why am I bringing that up? Because this is why I really believe that I believe probably lived in the garden for around this thousand years is because the whole point of the Sabbath and or the rest was communion with God. Mm 
What is the whole point of the Holy Ghost? God now restores the communion and relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we see on the seventh day, especially God's design for mankind. The Bible says that he would come down in the cool of the day and he would walk with man. Yeah. We say that's in the evening, by the way. It's not. If you look at the cool of the day, you want to guess what time is about that time? About four o'clock in the morning, four or five in the morning. God would come down every day right before the sun would rise and he would spend time and would walk with man, talk with man. You know, how awesome is that? Watching the sunrise. Yeah, I, I know, exactly, yeah. I don't know, but all creation before, you know, we messed it up, you know, and then of course we read it <laughs> and then we read, oh, we really, mankind, I mean, just think about, think about the, the tragedy of sin and what a sin caused in this world. You know, that's why I tell people, sin is not your friend. No, Look not. what it's done to this world. You know, people say, oh, how, if God was such a loving God, how could he allow this? How could he allow sickness? How could he allow starvation? How could he allow hunger? How could he allow cancer? How could he allow, you know, rape and, and pedophilia and sex trafficking? God didn't do that. Yeah. Sin did that. Yeah. Man did that. That yeah. was his plan. This was his plan. Exactly. The whole time this was his plan, we messed it up after yeah. that. Amen. And, but God's coming one day. To restore that full, his perfect plan. And the Holy Ghost is just a foreshadow. See, this was, then the Sabbath was a foreshadow of the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost is a foreshadow of our eternity. Yeah. You are the closest you are to God when you're walking in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Amen. That's as close as you can be to the Lord, which is pretty awesome. So, um, I'm actually going to go ahead and end here. Um, we're going to read this, uh, Dakota, I believe it's your turn. You get to be our last reader, man. That's pretty cool. Congrats. Sweet. Yeah, man. So if you'll read um, this, and then after this, I'm going to open it up for questions, and uh, that's where we're going to end. Dakota, go ahead and read them when you're ready, brother. All right. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Right there, rested. You know, and so we see that going through. So that's what I say. It's awesome. You know, and I just love what he said right here. Um, and God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. We are the work of his hands. And... Um, Everything you see is the work of his hands. When yeah. you look at the trees, you know, and, and I love, I'm that person that I just, I don't know, like I was driving in North Carolina and uh, I saw this beautiful hillside. One of my, if you want to know what my dream property would be, I would love to own like on a mountainside with hills, but, but not just, just trees though. I'd like a yeah. plain area and I like to see the hills and I would love to have like cattle and, and stuff on that hillside and have a stream going right down the middle of it. And I went, I was in North Carolina and I was praying while I was driving. I, I love to, I, I do a lot of praying and driving with my job, especially. And I passed that property and literally I was just praying. I was talking to God and I'd already talked to him about the property I want. And I passed something. I'm like, like that, God. And I was just talking, oh, like that. That's perfect. You know? And so I believe in the new earth. God's going to give me a property like that because like Caleb, I'm on my mountain. You know, um, yeah, we're going to have an inheritance, you know, and so I believe I'm going to have an inheritance like that. But, um, you know, and if not, I'd gladly live in the city of the Lamb. I mean, don't get me wrong. But, um, but anyway, so I, I just think it's beautiful. You know, we, we can see God in everything he made. And whether you realize it or not, see, sometimes we look at ourselves and we want to see the bad. But if you saw yourself the way God saw you, you know, I, I talked, said Wednesday night, God has never loved you more or less than he loves you right now. Yeah. He loves you perfectly. He has always loved you perfectly. And that sinner 
that you're trying to reach to or that person that you're trying to teach a Bible study to. God loves them just as much now, right now as he, lo as he will love them when you win them yeah. and they come in and get the Holy Ghost. True. And so God is always, so when you see yourself, remember, remind yourself, I'm the work of his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Look past yourself, look past your faults and see what God's done in you because God loves you. And not only that, you go, you guys go way beyond just the work of his hands. Now you're also the work of his spirit. His spirit lives inside of you. You are so much more than you realize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And his plans for us are so much bigger than we realize. Amen. We're going to one day rule and reign with Christ. We don't even comprehend that. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be the end of our Bible study. I went one minute over, which is okay. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to open up just for any quick questions right before going to prayer. Um, either about the Bible study itself or about teaching Bible studies or whatever. Now, I know we have, did I teach that good or did I teach that bad that you guys just don't know how to ask or answer all your questions? Yes. How do you convince an atheist? That's a good question. Um, so I've actually had to, I've, I've got to teach a lot. Well, also, okay, at the end of the day, nobody's really atheist. Very few people, a lot of people are agnostic. Um, very rarely are they atheists. Um, number one, the first thing I like to tell them is I bring in the point. It takes, because it takes way more faith. To be an atheist and it doesn't be a Christian. Mm -hmm. It takes a whole lot of faith to believe that everything that we look at, everything that exists, happened by chance. That's what atheists believe. Mm -hmm. That it was just, it happened, up a, big it happened, a big bang. It just happened, you know, a bunch of gas confounded, you know. And so that's a whole lot of faith in, that's in something that they've never seen. So first of all, I, I kind of teach them and reassure them, I'm like, you have faith, you just have Faith in something else, you know. Um, and then my thing about it, then I go to the about it, it's kind of funny that your whole belief system is claiming that you don't believe in something else. It's kind of, you know, the whole, I'm an atheist, my whole, you know, your whole belief system is based on the fact that I don't believe in God. That's kind of weird. I don't really understand that. But that's how I kind of started. I, I kind of, I, I showed to them that you have, they have faith. And then once you do that, um, then with, of course, with us Pentecostals, it's kind of easy, easy because we see God move. You know, a lot, of, a lot of other denominal people, they've never felt the movement of God. They've never seen, you know, somebody receive the Holy Ghost. And so for us, a lot of times, a big thing for me, a selling point, is I preach miracles a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, testify, I testify what God's done for me. I, I testify in my own personal life, the healings I've seen in my family with my dad and, and what everything I went through. And, and, I, and I give my testimony and show them how God's hand has been in my life. Um, and then when, as I do that, the, the, just you're going to have to live it in front of them. Really, you have to live what you speak. You know what I mean? You're really going to have to live that life because you're going to want, a lot of atheists, you know, the whole, like I said, the whole belief system is based on disproving something. And so they want to disprove that in your life. So they want you to contradict what you preach or what you say. Um, and so they, they'll watch you closely. And I've, you know, I've seen that in the past. So you really have to live Christian life in front of them and love them. And what's going to happen is that God's reaching for them even now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're around them and you're living that holy lifestyle and that Holy Ghost in you is in you moving, the thing about it is, you know, I tell people, you know, if you, when you meet me and Craig's, you know, I'm six feet away from a Savior. He's six feet away from a Savior. Why? Because God lives in us. Mm -hmm. God is, Jesus is the Savior. We have the Spirit of Christ. And so they're already that close to God. God's right there. So if you're living in the Spirit, that Spirit's going to draw them. And so I would just say you're going to have to live, win them by love. Yeah. And then eventually, because they love you, they'll be more willing to open up and talk. And, mm -hmm. and then you begin to start seeing the root of the problem. A lot of reason people don't believe in God is because they saw something happen. Yeah. 
you know, some a family member died that you know, and where was God? You know, a, a lot of people find themselves there, and so that's why I try to win them through love. Um, and then if you could ever, yeah, get them to the point where they just love to be around you, get them to a service, they won't question God after that. Because they'll feel God, and then they'll start to respond emotionally and not understand why. Mm -hmm. And then when they say, when they feel weird, you just tell them, you're feeling God right now. And when they realize that, boom. And even in your Bible study, they can feel God. Just I would preach under the anointing and, and, this, and just begin to preach. And, and that's why I pray in my Bible studies. I give God, that, I'm going to say this, give God the opportunity to move. Even though it's a Bible study, mm -hmm. give God the opportunity to do something. He may want to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost in your Bible study. How can I say that? Because he's done it for me and Craig in one of our Bible studies. He's filled people with the Holy Ghost. So give God the opportunity to move. Because you might that might very well be, first of all, if you're teaching somebody, this may be their only opportunity for salvation ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... You know, yeah. take you know, live it, take it seriously. That's a great question. Does that help at all? Why don't you love, love them? That's a good place to start. And I know that sounds so simple, but in just loving them, number one, if nothing else, they'll, they'll gain a respect for you and the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Any other questions? Great. All right, so let's close in prayer, and then we're gonna go pray. Isn't that funny? We're closing in prayer. Just go pray. Um, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, just to uh, to come and study your word. Lord, I pray that you would just bless each and every one of our young people. Lord, I pray that you would help them to grow with you. Lord, that you would prepare them and help them. Lord, I pray that you would make connections with people. Lord, I pray that you would get they would get the word inside their hearts. Lord, that they would just dedicate everything they have to you, God. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just strengthen us, Lord. Bless this time of prayer. Bless this time of fellowship, God. I pray, Lord, give people that hunger and desire to teach people, Lord God. I pray that you would give them a burden for the lost and that you would give them a burden, God. Lord, Lord, for the things of God, Jesus. I pray, Lord, help us to reach into our communities and help us to be witnesses, God. I pray, bless this time together. Bless us as we go into prayer, God. And I pray that you would already, Lord, I invite you into this house, God. I invite you to have your way. And I I pray that you will touch us and move on us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we're going to move that. Contrast Student Ministries Podcast.